the road to consciousness. What we're doing is figuring out the mystery of consciousness, one of the biggest mysteries we have ever had as humans. Something so ingrained in us is such a mystery is just beyond me. <laughs> it's crazy when you think about it that way. We're going to be talking about things that we classify as knowledge and things that we classify as assumptions. And hopefully we can get enough data points from a whole bunch of disciplines that at least shed light that it might be in this direction. <laughs> and that sounds pretty vague, but it's the best we've got. So that's where I'm going to take it from. Knowledge is justified true belief. Epistemology tells us we have enough confidence in certain things. Theories are you know, falsifiable, but they've been proven pretty accurate so far. Assumptions, enough data or competing theories. But we have to make assumptions in order to take steps towards figuring out consciousness. Today, we're going to talk about objective reality versus subjective reality. Objective reality is super interesting. Basically, the goal of science is to figure out what objective reality is. We have current theories like general relativity, quantum mechanics. Quantum mechanics is one, if not the most successful theory we've ever had in terms of observations. We need empirical data to tell us that a theory is accurate. We need to observe, make a theory, and then reobserve and you know run experiments to point us to the true nature of reality. Quantum mechanics is a fascinating subatomic world. <laughs> Nothing behaves in the micro world like we expect it to in the macro world. There is different levels. General relativity, on the other hand, gives us a wide, vast, big scale view of the universe. It leads us to things like the Big Bang. We're classifying as knowledge, by the way. <laughs> and then we observe, what, 13.8 billion years of the universe. The question that philosophers have been debating is how much of that between objective reality and subjective reality, which is subjective is our reality and how we see the world, is really in our consciousness and our minds. And how much of it is actually there? So another way to think of the question is if we took ourselves out of the universe, would the universe do and look exactly like it is today or is it part of us observing it? The rationalists will say... Uh, rationalists slash physicalists physicalism and materialism would say there is a physical and material reality dualists or dualism says that there's something in the mind that is different from reality and the body monoism i believe it is is that there's one thing that makes up everything in the universe so there's a lot of schools of thought idea idealism on the other end of the spectrum is that everything in our minds and what we see out there is really a ramification of our minds and our consciousness and isn't really there. So there is a wide spectrum that you could start looking at to try and figure out what the actual answer here is. There is no answer. There's no concrete evidence that tells us one way or the other because the observer does play a role in even physics in some way. Quantum mechanics has a measurement problem in which subatomic particles regardless of what type of particles they are, electron being an example, is basically behaves like a wave and a particle and it's, there's a probabilistic distribution of where it can be at any point in time. In the macro world, we know where things are. <laughs> this is why it's the macro world and our consciousness is able to see something, it's right there and then given all the parameters in terms of the forces and its position and momentum, we can use our scientific laws, whether it even be Newton's laws or Einstein's relativity uh, calculations, to figure out the trajectory or where it's going next. Quantum mechanics is not that simple. Quantum mechanics 
states specifically that you can't tell 100% exactly where the electron is, but there is a probabilistic distribution of where you might find it. And you essentially collapse the wave function, there's a wave function for that electron to a certain point by means of observing it. Now, it's very easy to couple that with consciousness, but theoretically, anything in the macro world that interacts with the micro world can collapse that wave function. We're getting a little deep here, but it's an important thing to take a step back and understand that there is something with us and how we build reality in our minds, regardless of how fundamental we think it is. Even space and time have been a question of whether they really exist. It's a very difficult concept to grasp because it's such a thing that's ingrained in us. The empiricists would say that we are born with a blank slate. John Locke introduced this empiricism in, in sort of a, a, a counter-argument to rationalism, that we are born with a blank slate, let's say all of 100 billion neurons, and what we're doing is essentially building our concept of reality from everything we experience. The premise, though, is more that we shouldn't worry too much about what's happening happening outside of our experience because we're never going to know what rationally or the true nature of reality is why why do we need to know even if our senses deceive us it's just where descartes was coming from descartes was coming from that we he brought in skepticism applied a, a logical approach and came to the i think therefore i am uh theory that we can't trust any of the senses except what's in our mind. But that led that to the dualism part that our mind is separate from our body. Empiricists would say that we shouldn't worry too much about it because everything comes from our experience. And taking that one step further, George Berkeley brought in the idea of idealism, which is everything is in our mind and we experience and build things on top of basically as we develop. Now, you could state then if that is the case, why do we see such a unified reality i.e me you and everybody else can agree on a certain set of principles for reality the fact of the matter is our brains from a um, physical level are 99.95 percent similar so of course the way that our brains are wired and going back to what we've talked about groups of nuclei and how they interact and do things we're going to see a certain macro reality. It's not what's happening in the micro world. Quantum mechanics specifically, and, and same with special relativity, depending on how fast, we are in a certain scale. When I, when I say macro world, we are in a certain scale where we are not terribly small in terms of things that are really small out there. And we're talking about quarks and electrons and atoms. They are infinitely tiny compared to us. We are not huge compared to some of the things in the universe. <laughs> And we don't move very fast compared to some of the particles out there and subatomic particles and electron and everything that's kind of small and moves towards the speed of light, which is like 300,000 kilometers a second. So we are in a very interesting place. Our brains and consciousness have developed in a very interesting, what, what, I, what I call the macro world, that allows us to have an experience of life where time plays a factor because the, the faster you move, the slower time gets from the observer's point of view. Therefore, theoretically, even things moving towards the speed of light not only need infinite energy to get to the speed of light, but they also manipulate time in a way where potentially time doesn't exist. None of our uh, laws of, of physics actually place any special uh, 
I guess, importance of time, like playing them forward and backwards gives you similar results. The past, present and future, there's no special meaning when we apply laws of physics. So at our macro world, we have the concept of consciousness and time that allows us to see the micro world at some way, although we indirectly observe it. It allows us to see things moving fast. Again, we indirectly observe it, especially with our interactions with light. And allows us to also visualize how big of a scale the universe is compared to us. I guess the question is, how is it that we can see the Big Bang or think that we see 13.8 billion years back? Although we're seeing traces of what it was back then, has the universe been around for 13.8 billion years if our observation plays a key role in it, i.e. space and even time? Like, what does it even mean if time doesn't exist? What does it mean if space doesn't exist? Our consciousness has, we're going to make the assumption that our consciousness has manifested a certain emergence from a base property of, let's just say, energy. Energy is the currency of the universe. Every single thing in this universe is a transfer of energy, or at least in some ways interacts with energy. We are energy conversion machines. We harness energy from the sun. We harness energy from a lot of different places, and we transfer it into usable energy. That's really what we're doing. However, the first law of thermodynamics, which I believe is the most amazing law, energy is never created or destroyed. We can't even fathom in our brains, like our brains and our minds and our consciousness are not geared towards understanding super high numbers, the concept of infinity. But the amount of energy in the universe is absolutely massive, right? None of that is ever created or destroyed, which making the assumption that it's all coming from a similar place if there's a ball of energy or a soup of energy that basically makes up the fundamental place of the universe let's say the universe is a ball of energy let's make that assumption and our emergence has come to give us essentially a interaction with that energy that is based on time that is an assumption that we're going to make that our consciousness does play a very key role in how we see what we perceive to be the universe. Are we saying that space and time don't exist? Yes, that is what we're saying. Now, you're going to vigorously defend the imperious view that our experience absolutely gives us space-time. It's the same as free will. Yes, space and time exist at the macro level. Yes, free will, free will is something that we as humans experience. Is that what the objective reality is? No. Does it make a difference to our day-to-day lives? No. Does it help in figuring out consciousness? Yes. So making these assumptions are going to help us try and figure out consciousness because if consciousness, and we're assuming it is, plays a fundamental role in how we observe the universe and learn and understand, but it's not the true nature of reality, then that's got to tell us something about what and how consciousness behaves and why it came about. The question does lead to what about the things in the evolutionary chain that don't have as advanced consciousness as us? Do they see the universe in the same way? We make an assumption as no, that the higher levels of consciousness has given us the ability to, and I guess this is idealism. Maybe I'm moving towards the idealism realm where everything in the universe is part of our brain and consciousness. But not quite there. The assumption is that we're not 100% there but we're moving towards the end where the fundamental reality is is emerged to us as life as complex beings as consciousness how still the brain then like 
is it part of the brain that sees the universe the way that we do the neurons with the electrical signals or is it the higher level experience slash meaning i'm going to go with the higher level experience slash meaning we experience time we provide a meaning to that experience and that meaning has helped us visualize the universe so this is a very interesting area to delve into and there's so much further we could go with the objective universe we're going to leave the deep digging of things like quantum mechanics and the measurement problem for another time where we can go deeper into it.